Hi, I'm Kashif Hussain with VRV Solutions. Yes, I too believe 5G will definitely change the world. Um, and I think the change has already started. This is Sean Kinney and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. Before we get into the 5G discussion, I'd like to take a moment to get to know our guest a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. You ready for those? Sure. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite occupation? Truly the one I am in. Um, I'm a solutions marketing uh, person working in technology, and I would say, especially in telecommunication, pretty much spread my, spend my whole life in this street, right? What I like to think about myself is a student of telecommunications and technology, right? That's what interests me. And I think uh, the, the biggest uh, thing about technology is the ability to continue to learn and grow. And I, I would love, um, like, I, I love the idea of teaching others the same sharing new ideas on how to use technology and how to enable new business and use cases and things like that. So that's why, I mean, I personally like where I am at, so. And question number two, what is it that you most dislike? Uh, well, so to me, it will be an environment, right? Uh, where people are scared of change because we as humans would not have reached the point where we are today if we would have kept the way we were a thousand years ago or something to that effect, right? I think change has brought us this far and has enabled our world and 5G or the 6G even for that matter will continue to, I would say, evolve and bring that change, the dynamics where we can improve the, I would say, the human life and the quality of our experiences. So I, what I don't like is an environment and people are scared of change and afraid of change. And question number three, what is your motto? Um, I always tell, uh, I mean, um, myself and my kids, keep moving forward. Not, don't let anything, you know, uh, I mean, beat you down, right? Because if, um, just like what I said previously, right? There is, uh, always going to be a change in life. And, and if there are changes that are coming, we need to keep moving forward with that. Uh, I believe as humans, we have progressed so far because we have been moving forward, right? And there, there will always be incremental changes and sometimes there will be leaps uh, in, in, I would say, in technology changes. I mean, and that's what we need to consider, right? I mean, if we go back like 100 years ago and compared to today, I mean, I, I don't think people would have thought the way, I mean, we will have a device which can do, I mean, which is a computer. I mean, there was no computer at that time, which, which is a computing uh, device as well as, which is, you know, um, I mean, a music device, which is, uh, I mean, a camera, what have you, everything all in one, right? These changes are coming and we just need to keep moving forward with those changes. And technology is going to get us there. So when we think about both these incremental kind of step changes and also these more seismic paradigm shifts in technology, from my perspective, we're kind of seeing both of them right now with the proliferation and scaling up of 5G. So maybe let's uh, 
Let's explore some of these related trends that the telecom industry has been discussing for some time. The ones that come to my mind are hardware, software, disaggregation, a move Absolutely. cloud native operations, and then customization of networks where we're designing them for very specific, very demanding use cases. And all of this is starting to be realized at scale today. So when you look at the current industry landscape, Kashif, what do you see as the biggest challenges to the test and measurement discipline? So I, I think um, now that if you ask me the challenges to the test and measurement, to me, it's the, the velocity of the change, right? And the scale. My biggest, um, that when I talk to people, I'm learning the scale of change is what drives them to take a step back and see, are they getting the return on their investment? But I would actually challenge um, challenge those people. I, in fact, uh, did some work on why should people be testing, especially in this world where we are talking about the same physical infrastructure, supporting multiple use cases. In fact, having different network slices, it, which is a very complex technology. Not, not just that, having different type of vendors in there, right, playing the role. So how do you ensure all of these things will work together? That's where test and measurement comes in. So, so if you look at the test cycle, right, it starts way early. It is at the point of inception of a technology. When you are th thinking about something in the standards bodies, when you're taking it into the lab, then into manufacturing, that's a one level of test, right? That's where you need to ensure when things go into the field, they are done right. So that is a challenge you have to overcome, especially in a world where you have different vendors. It's not, um, monolith anymore, right? You will have to bring multiple vendors into that play. Then taking it into the field, how do I deploy it? How do I scale it up? Just take, for example, C-band, right? So when you look at C-band, we are talking about thousands and thousands of cell sites in the year, right? That let's say Verizon or AT&T or any of those big service providers, they will do. How do I scale that up? Well, how do I ensure if there is a failure that gets fixed fast? So test and measurement will play a vital role. And of course, assurance and monetization has to happen later, I would say the later stage of the life cycle of a network. So all of these things uh, I think are, are a challenge, but at the same time, there are an opportunity to improve our ways of working. Yeah, I, I really, uh, I think you stated that fairly succinctly and you know whether you're an operator or an equipment vendor your your customer needs you to provide a degree of customization but for your business to work you need to be able to customize at scale and to your point about velocity all of this needs to have happened yesterday so i think you've you framed out the challenges for us that you're thinking about so Maybe let's get into high level what the solution is. I, I'm going to take a guess that it's about making this process increasingly automated, but I, I'd like to get your perspective on that. You, you're absolutely right, right? I mean, see, the thing is automation, there are certain nuances in, the, in automation as well, right? What do you call automation? Automation for me may not be automation for somebody else, right? So today, I'll, I'll just take a workflow of a technician going at the cell site. Let's forget it about the lab, right? I mean, I can talk about that too, but let's take the, a technician today. You have to deploy, just as I said, thousands of cell sites. How do I find those people who didn't know how to test fiber, used to deal with coax cable, and now they have fiber cables. They have to install that, right? Now fiber is going directly to the, I mean, 
AAS, which is your, I mean, advanced antenna systems, right, directly. So how do I ensure these things are getting plugged properly? They are not swapped, they are not the polarities there, all those things. So for that, if I can create a mechanism in which a technician is walked through the process in a systemic way, rather than doing any guesswork, or every time looking at a piece of paper, trying to understand the directions and whatnot, you cannot scale that. That's why you need, from, since I'm coming from the test point of view, you need test solutions that can do that. That's why we talk about test process automation. The whole process of testing needs to be automated enough where you can test quickly, accurately, efficiently, and report back real time. Those are the fundamentals to me in, in that, is, I mean, I would say workflow. In the lab world, well, again, you cannot make testing in lab complicated. It has to be simplified, not just, not just in the field, but also in the lab aspect of it too, right? You cannot make it so difficult that people are, have to think they need a PhD literally to test their product. So if I want to test 400 gig, how do I generate 400 gig traffic? The results I'm looking at it, are these the right results? I mean, I'm a bit at a rate or let's say, I mean, delay, jitter, what have you, all those things. All these things need to be simplified at the same time. And to me, test process automation is about simplicity. It's about efficiency. It, it's about the velocity and scale, right? So all those things have to come together. And for a different audience, it will mean something completely different. So lab guys, an engineer, it will be different. A cell site technician, it will mean something very different, right? So that's how I, I think about test process automation. Your example of field testing kind of makes me think of this interesting circularity where to deploy 5G with the workforce that's here today, we need automation. And at the same time, the big enterprise customers that are going to use 5G, a lot of them are looking at applications like how can I take the workforce I have and embolden them through things like remote support and AR assistance and things like that. We might save that for another conversation though. I but wanna zoom in on, on two items here. Uh, first on my list, uh, OpenRAN. So I guess the vision is to give operators the ability to mix and match hardware and software from whichever vendor they prefer. This would help them achieve deployment flexibility, potentially CapEx savings, maybe operational simplification. But what are the implications here for the test process when you have a somewhat open-ended number of potential radio system configurations? Yeah, I think I think this is, I, I personally think that'll be the biggest challenge, right? So. I mean, if you look, uh, look, I mean, if you look back, right, this is the first time when we are trying to achieve that in the, I would say in the cellular or the wireless technology, right, especially cellular, if you are talking about it, right. Typically, it used to be a radio will work only with the base BSC or the RNC, what have you, right, going back all the way to the core from the same vendor. And they were used, there was usually a secret sauce which will prevent all the, every, all the interfaces in between. If you take Cipri, for example, right? Cipri by itself is what? I mean, it's, it, it's a common, it's supposed to be the most common interface, right? However, there was always a secret sauce that how one vendor versus the other implemented. So our radio of one cannot work with the radio of the other. Now we are trying to break that, right? Why are we trying to do that? It's, just to increase, I think the scale of deployment, get more vendors into the mix, have the ability to deploy faster and not just that, right? 
be able to deliver software solutions on white boxes. There are a lot of advantages of doing open RAN, but at the same time, now you think about it this way, another way, now from a core point of view, if I have a virtualized RAN, I have a virtualized CU and a DU, and I'm talking about a radio from some other vendor, then in that case, it's not just about the standard specifications. What about the capacity? How would the software behave? How, how about the radio parameters? How do I do the power control? Yes, all these things are standardized, but how do you ensure that when a true capacity is getting, uh, I mean, I've deployed. So I'm talking about thousands of, let's say, users in a network. How would that network behave? Are, are there, I mean, basically, would there be a, any signaling problems? Would there be any, I would say, user throughput problems? All these things need to be ironed out. Now, that's why testing and measurement in the lab will play a vital role. And, 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 and the, the question we need to answer, so who is responsible for if there is something happens in the field? So to, to avoid those challenges in the field and to avoid those the, that finger pointing that, hey, my CU is working the way it's supposed to be, but my RU, uh, I mean, your RU is not working. And the other person is saying the, exactly the opposite thing, right? To, to avoid that, you will have to increase the level of testing. You will have to increase, and this is pre-built out, right? This is, has to be happen at somewhere in the OTIC lab or some place where you can bring different devices or different nodes and validate the software functionality and the hardware pieces where it will get implemented. So it is going to be very complex. However, upfront testing and capacity testing needs to be done much ahead of time and much more rigor needs to be implemented in that case. Hi everyone, this is Sean. I wanna thank you for supporting Will 5G Change the World, which is sponsored by Viavi Solutions. Viavi helps communication service providers, network equipment manufacturers, and enterprises worldwide command the 5G network with automated solutions for test, monitoring, and assurance. Learn more at viavisolutions.com forward slash 5G. And the other item I wanted to cover with you, and, and it's certainly related to, to what we just discussed to a large degree, but that's cloud. So we've got operators and their vendors partnering with hyperscale type companies. Absolutely. We're, we're seeing a lot more development and deployment of cloud native network functions. And we're seeing operators really leaning into a hybrid cloud operating model, which involves the network and their own business processes to a, to a large extent. So I'm curious what all of this means for the test process. And I also thought you could maybe uh, tell us a little bit about the work Viavi is doing with, uh, with AWS, as that's certainly relevant to the, to the conversation we're having today. Right. So I will just uh, paint a picture from a, uh, from a hyperscale point of view, right? So what I just said in my, my, my I mean, previous point, right? If you think about it, um, now what is happening is I have different type of applications that I want to implement on the same physical network. However, let's say I want to do ultra reliable low latency in a private 5G or uh, environment, right? Now in that case, I can put an application, so I'm in server close let's say to my uh, my environment right in that case right so where are the where is the cu and du going to exist well more than likely there'll be a virtualized this will be a virtualized ran because i want to minimize the delay i want to improve my 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 latency targets i mean that synchronization requirements will be much higher so in that case 
guess what? It will be, let's say, um, I mean, an outpost type, uh, I mean, I would say um, uh, edge computing platform like AWS has, right? And you can implement your virtualized RAN there. Now, what does Viavi do here? Well, when you implement these, um, I mean, virtualized RAN on those devices, what have you, right? Our white boxes, then how do you ensure they are going to behave the right way? Just like I said previously, and what happens when I implement thousands and thousands of small devices, or let's say this is about a factory automation, right? Where you have millions of sensors and things like that working together and communicating, right? So that capacity analysis, that's that, that testing, all the protocols are working, all the software functions are working their design, right? So we are working with, uh, with the hyperscalers in that respect, right? To ensure the capacity testing, to ensure the protocol testing. I mean, all these things, all these virtualized functions, they need to be tested. And that's where we are helping our, uh, not just our uh, direct customers in that case, but also I would say the hyperscalers as well as the new vendors that are coming in into this space, right? To ensure that their nodes are also working the way they're supposed to be. So I'd like to return to our, our core premise and that's this dissection of whether or when 5G will change the world. And at the top of the show, you told us that to, to some extent it's it's already starting to happen, but maybe we could explore that a little more and you could take me through the kind of indicators that you would look to to establish whether we're seeing broad, meaningful impacts that we can attribute to 5G. How are you, how are you thinking about this? So the way I am thinking, right? So, and 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 it, it also gives me, uh, so the last year actually, which was the COVID-19 year, right? Gave me a way to think about 5G as a game changer, right? We are all working remotely. Um, I mean, I had some, let's say doctor's appointments and I didn't have to go to the doctor's office, right? So this is all about working over the network. Yes, definitely. I'm blessed that I'm living in a big city where I, I have uh, internet and what have you. But think about the places where this technology doesn't exist, right? I mean, where you don't have fiber lines and FIOS and things like that. And in that case, 5G will be the game changer. If you keep on going into the future, when we talk about remote surgeries, right? That's also coming. Just one example, farming. There's so many examples that I've seen. People have already deployed 5G network to do that. Uh, we talk about, um, you know, uh, mining. Uh, I mean, there are networks already out there where we are using uh, automated vehicles, right? I mean, because it's safe for, for uh, it's because it's a safety concern at the same time, it's also a scale thing. So having a, a good network, which has the ability to perform multiple functions from massive machine type communication where you can use it in farming or I mean, or metering and what have you, right? To uh, ultra reliable low latency networks like remote surgeries we talked about. All those things are definitely going to change the future. Getting into um, places where it is difficult to deploy fiber type networks, what have you, right? So 5G will play a vital role. And we have started to see that. This is not just something that we are just thinking about now. We have examples in, 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 in EMEA region. I've seen it, I've seen in Australia. There are examples where these networks now do exist and things are already happening. And with the government funding on things like, you know, RDOF in North America, similar type of activities are happening in EMEA region. We see that 5G will literally change how people behave and work. 
whether it's economics, technology, or the economics of technology, it all sort of comes back to velocity exactly. scale. So I, I'm absolutely really glad that you and your colleagues are, are heads down working on this this problem. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me about it and answer that question. Will 5G change the world? Thank you, Sean. Will 5G Change the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kinney. Thanks for listening. <laughs>